cutting-edge startups and Fortune 500s all in one room talking about how emerging technologies are changing our world. This is The Tech House, and I'm Swiss, your host, the CEO of Trufin. Hey guys, really appreciate you tuning into the Tech House. I know that right now is a very difficult time for many of you. We're currently quarantined. COVID has still hit many communities hard. Please note that all the content that we talk about in season two was recorded before COVID. I think it'll be really interesting to see how the perspectives before COVID align or disalign with perspectives that you might have now. Today, I'm here with Ashkan Rahimi and Aaron of Ruskin. Ashkan is the marketing manager at The Score. In his day-to-day, he focuses on digital marketing acquisition through paid initiatives, developing and executing product marketing strategies, and managing and producing original content with athletes and lifestyle influencers. Thank you for joining us, Ash. Thanks for having me, Swish. Aaron is the co-founder of Playline. It's a website that is making fantasy sports accessible to anyone. Playline's unique approach will simplify the process by focusing on players you know and love and offer some of the biggest cash prizes in fantasy sports. Thank you, Aaron, for being on this show. Swish, what's going on? Thanks for having me, bro. Setting some context, fantasy sports, Aaron, what is that? How would you define fantasy sports? It's a good question. I mean, fantasy sports is a way for sports fans to get involved in the game and share their passion and interest and love for sports in a competitive setting that doesn't take place on the court or on the rink. It's a chance for sports fans to get together and prove to their friend, I know more about this game we both love than you do. And I think that's how fantasy sports started. The industry has evolved. I mean, a lot of people don't know fantasy sports has been around since the late 1970s. It was actually started by a couple of baseball sports writers. Baseball was on strike. They had nothing to do. So they came up with this concept. And, you know, from 1979 for the next 20 years, it was a labor of love. You know, everything was done by fax or by hand and people Mm -hmm. would call each other with trades. And then things really changed, you know, in the late 90s when Yahoo brought fantasy sports to the public in a mass way, brought it online and made it free to play. And then, you know, following that, the concept of daily fantasy sports was born. And that's the space that Playline operates in today. And then Ash, how would you view fantasy sports? I personally love fantasy because you get into the game as a whole instead of just focusing on your team or Mm -hmm. the team that you grew up loving to watch. For example, with the NFL, if you're out in Canada, obviously you don't have a team. But ultimately, once you get introduced into fantasy, then you start to learn about all of the players and really about the game and strategy as well. And I think that's a big reason why people get involved in it. You don't just end up watching your team. You end up watching mm-hmm. all of the games and it makes like Sundays fun or if you're into MLB, NHL or NBA, you're basically ingesting sports like all the time. For the score, it's about providing the scores, new stats and updates around those players. So it's a great way for players who are doing Playline or whatever fantasy platform they're using to really get an understanding of what the context with the players and what can make a good pick for that week. It's no surprise that I'm personally a fan of sports, fantasy sports included. So I'm really looking forward to sitting down with Aaron and Ash and having a deeper conversation about the technology and content behind them. The best part about fantasy sports is that it basically allows you to become a team owner. Imagine being able to select a bunch of players and then track their progress and have another way to interact with them off the court. I really want to see how Aaron and Ash are creating content around fantasy sports. How do they keep users engaged and interested in their platforms? To start off, 
Do you find that there are any misconceptions around what you do and your role? Ash, let's start off with you. I think my parents really struggle with it. They understand what I'm doing, but I don't think they understand the weight of it. My dad has always been into sports, huge MLB guy, which makes no sense to me because they immigrated from Iran where they don't have baseball. <laughs> it's a cricket fan, maybe? No, not <laughs> even. Like, I just think he came across it and it became his favorite thing ever. So I grew up always watching sports with him. But now when I describe what I'm doing to my parents, I really try and get into as much detail, but without getting like too into the weeds because they just get confused. And then Aaron, what about you? Any misconceptions there? My friends all get it. We all play fantasy together. So it makes complete sense to them. I've lost friendships over fantasy before. Yeah. <laughs> in the back eventually, but you know that when that trade happens and you know you're pissed off because they either rob someone or you rob yeah. someone or you know it was a deal gone south. Yeah. Um yeah, my family gets it for the most part. I try to stay out of the weeds. You know, fantasy is a skill-based game. People play for real money on the playline site. So to them, their first inclination is, oh, it's gambling. And you know, you try and explain, no, this is a skill-based game. It's no different than day trading stocks or things of that nature. Nature. So mm -hmm. that starts to settle in. I think Playline's a game that actually most of them could play. Why did you create Playline? What problem did you see, Aaron, in the market that wasn't being addressed? Being a huge sports fan and playing all of the other products in the market, you know, we recognized what was going on in the marketplace with the legalization of sports betting in the United States and wind starting to change here as well. But we just wanted to create a game that anyone can play. There's four or five million people in North America who play some form of daily fantasy sports. There's 60 million people who play some version of year-long fantasy sports. But there's a quarter of a billion sports fans in North America. Mm -hmm. And our thought was, how do we create a game that these people can play for the first time and dip their toes in the water? And then, Ash, for the score, you've been a big part of their digital movement. Obviously, you can't answer the specifics on why they transitioned from mm. being a very popular TV show to mm -hmm. becoming a social media behemoth. But why do you think it's advantageous for them to be doing what they're doing right now? I think for us, the thing with social media is you give fans and followers a different perspective into the game. So you have all of your traditional media outlets, especially with TV. You get to watch the game, but you don't really get to see what's going on behind the game. And that's where we pride ourselves, especially what we do on Instagram when we're at events. We try and really give people a behind-the-scenes look and a backstage pass into these events. And everybody's spending their time on their phone, too. Of course, we're watching the game on television, but you're also trying to keep up with the game on social as well. So it's very interactive, and it brings the fans together and like right. gives them some context into the game, especially behind the scenes. And what do you think it is about sports content that makes it do so well? Because, I mean, I think somebody said this recently where it was like, unless it's a person with really great six-pack abs or it's a bikini model, like the only other content that tends to overperform on social media is sports content, like LeBron James dunking or an incredible shot that is made in whatever sport. Why do you think that is? One thing I think is that it's taking place in real time. So people need to be updated. Like if you don't catch it then, then you look at highlights. If you're not watching it live, you're watching highlights. And that's what creates a conversation with your friends or with your family. And I think that's one of the biggest parts of it. And two, there's so many fans and fans for every sport. And it's a community thing. It brings people together no matter what you're dealing with in your life. Like sports really 
kind of turns all of that off it's visceral right like anyone of any background there's no language barrier to sports it brings out you know passionate fans both for and against lebron makes a great play you've got lebron fans saying how he's the goat you've got (laughs) lebron haters who are saying oh lebron's trash so it creates this environment where you you have this dialogue from people with both sides who are incredibly passionate Yeah. yeah and it's consumable right i mean you can have clips from dramas or comedies but you need context right you know lebron on a fast break throwing down a dunk doesn't really need any context. And then Aaron, I think one of the first times I ever heard about Playline was following some of the basketball accounts that I love on social media, right? Whether it's a Hoops Nation or whether it's a dunk, you guys have taken quite an alternative path to marketing that a DraftKings or whatever fantasy platform would do. What was the decision-making process there? Why did you start working with content creators specifically to promote Playline? Yeah. So, you know, we've established a network of close to 75 or 100 different content creators on social that gives us access to 50 million eyeballs across their various accounts. And we made the decision to go that route, A, because of what Ash is saying. I mean, sports is so consumable on social media. It's a chance for us to reach our target audience directly, you know, rather than doing things the traditional way. The cost of acquisition in my space has always been quite high, but that's because the big players are spending on traditional. And you're talking television and radio, and you can really only reach so many people, you know, through that medium. We're a digital game. We live online. Someone can see some of our content and immediately take action on their mobile device or on their laptop. Mm -hmm. So that made a ton of sense. And the target demo that we're going for lives on social. And we just thought it was the shortest and quickest way to reach that audience in a cool, fresh way that's fitting of the company. Playline started on social. We came out of nowhere. We have you know over 100,000 followers on our verified Twitter and Instagram accounts. We built that up from scratch. Now, it certainly helped that we have a couple of celebrity athlete partners and founders, Michael Bisping, Roy Hibbert. Mm-hmm. That definitely gave us a head start. But we saw opportunity in the social space. And you know none of the big players were really making a stink on social. And, and we thought we could. And then for both of you, what do you guys think the biggest challenges facing sports marketeers are going forward or even now? I think you have to go about it a few ways. Like anything, you can't just expect to put an athlete out there or tie yourself to sports and expect it to convert. I think it still needs to be authentic. I think sports fans can weed through the bullshit and they know what's authentic and they know what's not. So just putting your product in the hands of an athlete isn't going to guarantee sales. So I think finding ways to organically involve them and entertain, not advertise, is still paramount. I think that's the case with any industry. But, you know, sports in particular, there's just that thought that, oh, if we get this guy, then our product's going to fly off the shelves. But if there's not a natural connection, then I don't think it's going to work. I think that natural connection is really important because, especially with this audience, and you really have to give them value. You have to give them a reason to end up on your site or in your app. You have to provide some sort of context for them. So one of the cool things that we did in order to get people into our app on our website to read articles was we provide a teaser for a story. Let's say it's like an NBA story, something that they could kind of understand like what's going on, but if they wanted the full story, then they'd have to go check it out. But that's value for them because they're actually genuinely interested in that story. You can't just say, hey, this is like something cool that we're doing. You should get on it. It'll be like, why? And why should I even care? 
or spend more than a second looking at what you have in front of me. So you need to capture them beyond that eight seconds. And the way that you do that is providing value. And that value, I think, with sports is like context and giving them something that they actually care about, whether it's with their player, their team, or a big news story that took place. And I love the score. When I'm playing fantasy and I get that push notification that says seven players to start or sit this week, I want to check it out. A, because I want validation on the guys who I have. And then if there's any, you know, it makes me feel good to know that I'm on the right track. And then B, maybe there's some guys I'm missing out on, right? right? I want to see if my read is echoed, you know, by the professionals type thing. And then both of you guys' platforms mainly exist on mobile. Is there a particular reason why? What do you see the advantages of mobile versus just being on web? And then what do you guys see as like the next evolution from mobile? And have you even thought about it? For us, number one thing goes back to things taking place in real time. So with a sports app that's providing scores, stats, news, and updates, a lot of the time people are checking into the app because they can't watch the game. So they're mobile themselves. They're at a restaurant, they're with family, they're in the movies checking their phone, whatever it might be. But because sports is taking place in real time, you need to be with them in their pocket. Otherwise, by the time they get in front of a laptop or a desktop, it might be too late. I agree. I mean, you know, goal for us was to make Playline a game that you can play on the run. And with other games, it can become more difficult just given the research that's required. Now, it might surprise you, though, we're fairly evenly split between web and mobile traffic. At least for me personally, when I'm researching my own fantasy lineups, I want to have multiple browsers open and I want to be able to move back and forth between, you know, more in-depth information. But at the same time, again, recognizing the importance of someone wanting to set a play line on the go. It's a game you can play in two or three minutes. Definitely not the case with the other guys out there. Setting a play line is as easy as setting, you know, the alarm clock on your iPhone. It's a scroller. Give the wheel a spin and, okay, brawn for 30 type thing. Something you can do on the run. And if you want to read more in-depth articles, sure, you can do that on your phone or your laptop. And, you know, we have some more super user features that are, are traditionally available on desktop. So pretty even split, but both are important. And that feeds into my next question, which is from your guys' side, have you guys seen a change in how people are consuming sports content? Like, are you seeing long form versus short form is a lot better? You know, they want the eight second, 20 second video, not the article. Do they want things that are highly personalized? Like, what are you seeing changing? I think one of the biggest things is it really depends on the audience Mm -hmm. that you're trying to reach. So generally a younger audience just wants quick, dirty, digestible content. And I think a big part of that change has been social media. I don't know how well TV networks are doing with their highlights anymore because I could literally get all the highlights that matter and score updates on Instagram. And you're feeding into a community, right? Yeah, like there's exactly. Like hilarious and you comments can talk. and yeah, you, you can, can talk comment and... with one another. And it goes back to the days when there were forums on web. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, and it's Shout like, out to GeoCities. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I think that was a major shift that took place is like social media really took over with regards to easily digestible content and highlights. You're also seeing a bit of a trend with long form content being put behind a paywall. Sites like The Athletic, right. for yeah. instance, yeah. you know, that are mm-hmm. that are digging in. It's it's like long form has become like traditional media. I mean, when you used to think traditional, it's newspaper and television. And now when I think traditional media, it's long form content on web. I'll consume across both. Long form content for me is, is typically more about like the human interest side. If I want to read like a Players Tribune article mm-hmm. or something, but I'll do that on mobile. And then if I have to run or I get to my desk and I want to finish it, I'll, I'll do it on web. So I'm kind of switching back and forth. You guys are both obviously avid sports fans. Do you ever feel like you're getting hit up with too much content? And if so, like, how do you guys then as creators stand out and come off as some different voice? I find it overwhelming for sure. I think one of the biggest challenges is 
figuring out what content you can post to stand out from the rest of the guys because everybody's posting the same things especially when it comes to highlights so you have to find those gems and you have to create original content as well that makes you stand apart from mm -hmm. the other guys because if you're not doing that then it really depends on how fast you pull the trigger then but one thing which I really like too is I feel like especially with the score, you guys have really good captions mm -hmm. and those are underrated, especially when it's like I look at a different caption right. for the same piece of content, but it's funny, entertaining, encouraging me to join the discussion. Well, I appreciate that first and foremost. And I think really the biggest mandate again goes back to providing the fans with an experience and getting them involved and being as interactive as possible. So we always try and ask questions. It's like, we want your answers. We want your thoughts. This is your forum to tell us how you feel. And also it makes it a lot more personable too. They realize that it's not just like a bunch of people running an account. It's one person. They feel like they can interact with mm -hmm. that person and feel involved like as a part of the community. Yeah, I mean, you're never going to see a piece of Playline content on social that's just purely ad-based. It's not like, oh, Playline's so great. Come check it out now. You know, play for free. Deposit $5, get $5 free. You know, we're not going to do that type of stuff. It's going to be stuff that invites you to participate. You know, mm -hmm. predict LeBron's stat line tonight. Leave your answer in the comments below. Are the incentives, though, tied with that? Are you trying to drive user participation by giving something back, or is it just purely natural? It's, you know, give them a chance to experience the game in a non-confrontational way without asking anything anything from them. Predict his stats or don't. Leave your answer in the comments below. Do the same thing on Playline and win a million dollars tonight or don't. It's up to you. But either way, you can engage and if you want to participate and if that's the type of thing as a sports fan that interests you. Mm -hmm. I mean, I grew up collecting baseball cards. Mm -hmm. right? And the first thing I do is flip over the back. You want to see how many homers, how many ribbies, right? And that type of thing always stayed with me, right? And I think, uh, you know, for our generation, you know, there's a lot of interest in stats. We try and stay away from purely advertising type content, but that's also why we work with some of the names you mentioned, you know, Hoops Nation, Dunk, right? These guys are pros at what they do. Mm -hmm. So we feel comfortable putting our brand in their hands and saying, you know, this is what we do. What do you think makes sense? They know their audiences and yep. what they respond to. We've talked about some key strategies to help make you stand out amongst other content creators and how users can get involved with fantasy sports. What I've learned by building up a brand on Instagram and LinkedIn is the number one way to keep your audience engaged is by engaging with them. So trying as much as possible to take time out to respond to them when they DM you or when they message you or take time out to comment back to the comments they leave on your posts. But that left me with a question for Aaron. Does he believe that fantasy sports are making overall participation in sports more accessible since it's easier to engage with the sports through fantasy rather than in person? Hundred percent. Even the NFL concedes that fantasy has been the driving factor the last number of years of boosting NFL ratings. I mean, you have some skin in the game, whether you play for a dollar, ten dollars, a thousand dollars, you're instantly going to become a greater fan of the sport. You're going to engage to a greater degree. You're going to follow and understand the league. And ultimately that brings you out to the stadium or helps you buy merchandise. It creates passion. I think simply put, like fantasy makes you a fan of the game. You don't become a fan of just your team or your favorite player anymore. Every season you have a new favorite player because they're on your fantasy team and you start paying attention to all of the games. And once the playoffs come around, when your fantasy league might be done, 
you actually care about how the games turn out right. because you've watched the entire season. That does bring my next question yeah. in, which is retention versus acquisition. Obviously, there's hundreds of millions of sports fans, but there are also people that just don't give a shit about sports. Mm-hmm. So how do you guys go about balancing on a marketing level, engaging existing fans, and then trying to educate people about sports? Do you do both, or is it mainly just catering to sports fans? We definitely do both. With regards to retention, the most important thing is really customizing the experience to what they care about. I know for myself as a sports fan, if I'm getting notifications about teams or players that I don't really ride with, and if I'm not doing fantasy for that league, and it doesn't really matter to me, and I start getting annoyed with those notifications, because especially in this day and age, your phone has so much going on already. So you start turning things off, and if you're getting annoyed then that's not a good experience. And that's one thing that I really think the score did well Mm -hmm. as a product is figured out that custom experience. Personalization. Personalization. And and you just get updates on what you care about and what you need to know. From an acquisition standpoint, I think brand awareness is huge. And the way that we've really started to focus on that is through social media and providing news stories straight up through Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook about anything and everything that's related to the sport. So now people are really starting to learn about the sport. From an acquisition perspective, our goal always was to bring a sports gaming experience to the casual sports fan. So, you know, our ease of gameplay was put forth precisely to get that, call it fringe sports fan who wants to dabble in this crazy thing that everyone's talking about called fantasy sports. You look at market leaders, FanDuel and DraftKings. Swish, I know you're an NBA fan, but if I were to say to you, is LeBron worth his $13,000 FanDuel salary? Does that mean anything to you? (laughs) And, And, you know, they're a billion dollar company and that's no knock on them. They created the industry. But again, if I were to say to you, how many points will LeBron score? Mm -hmm. You'll understand what I'm asking you. And Mm -hmm. and so will casual sports fans. So that was important. And I think the cool thing about Playline, A, from a retention standpoint, we take in stats data real time via API. So with every basket, your player scores, you're seeing your score and standings change in real time, how much money you're winning. That keeps you on the app and keeps you engaged and helps promote additional gameplay while you're on the app. But when you set a Playline, You're setting a game script that's entirely unique to you. You might need LeBron to score. Ash, you need him to get a rebound. Mm -hmm. I need him to get an assist. We're all watching the same game, Mm -hmm. but we're all watching it through our own personalized lens. And I think young people crave customized experiences. And when your stat hits, it feels really good. And you get that (laughs) sense that the world revolves around you. So it's kind of like a choose your own adventure book for fantasy sports. For Ash, I mean, I've seen you work and I've seen you go and you have your phone and you're sifting through content and you're determining whether something's good and bad. How do you go about that decision making process? Like, what do you think will go viral or what do you think will perform well? And then how do you determine that on a day to day basis so well? I think has this been posted elsewhere? Is it something that people are already seeing on other platforms or on other accounts? Two is... Is this going to bring some sort of value to the fans that are just like casual fans or serious fans? Will it make them laugh? Will it make them think? Will it provide enough context for them that they'll actually like care and share? Mm -hmm. That's another huge thing is like you want your content to be shareable where people are like, you got to see this. And a lot of times you'll find me saying things like, 
tag a friend that you would cross or drop like this, yeah, right? Yeah. Just so people can have fun with one another, but use us as the avenue like to a have vehicle. fun. Yeah, yeah, as a vehicle. And then Aaron, for you, I mean, how do you build trust with your customer base? Because your customer base, they're giving you data, they're giving you their payment information. We live in a time now where privacy has become a bigger issue than ever before. How do you guys go about building that trust and connection with your user base? The first thing we stressed was community building. We're not just another fantasy sports platform. If that's all you want, there's plenty of options out there, right? So we knew we needed to foster a sense of community and tie to the brand. So on our various social platforms, we do a ton of giveaways that aren't even really related to taking action on Playline. We might say, predict Tom Brady's passing yards today. Whoever gets it bang on wins a TB jersey, tag a friend. And that's regardless of whether or not you're even playing on Playline. Mm -hmm. But if you say, okay, I did it, and then you tag your friend and, and he does does it. And you say to yourself, well, I could be doing the same thing on Playline and winning money. We're not asking anything from you. We're just giving you a chance to try out something similar. Aaron and Ash have given us a behind the scenes look at how the score and Playline retain and grow their audiences through content. The biggest commonality I find between Playline and the score is accessibility, i.e. trying to create an environment that's inclusive for everyone to come together and talk about sports. That's definitely something I would look at in terms of a strategy for your content. Is your content accessible for sports fans in general to interact with, or is it very niche? Aaron talked about this quite a bit in today's podcast, where he mentioned that personalization is important and is only going to get more important. Specifically, you want to get updates on players and teams that you care about, as opposed to just getting general updates. We're going to get started with the rapid fire round. I will be asking you a bunch of questions, but the only way it's fire is if your answers are. So please, you know, try to do that. Aaron, first question, what do you want to see invented in the next 10 years? Get creative. I've always felt like I want to go to space. I feel like one day I'm going to take a commercial flight to space. So I want to see SpaceX make that happen. What technology should be feared? I guess the natural answer is AI, but we'll see sort of where that goes. The tech that you cannot live without. It's got to be the phone, right? I mean, that's why we're here right now. Yep. And it's crazy because I grew up without a cell phone and yeah. it was a simpler time. Yes. But now, you know, in today's day and age, it would be pretty difficult to operate without one. Do you believe that an entrepreneur is something that is more nature or more nurture? I definitely think you can learn to be an entrepreneur. It takes a lot of drive. So anyone can have a good idea, but good ideas are a dime a dozen. You have to have the passion to be able to follow it through. All right, Ash. Firstly, the best advice you ever got. I think the best advice I've ever got, and I always kind of say this, was from my dad. He said everything good and bad in this world is okay as long as it's in moderation. What technology should be built in your industry that you think would just make your life so much easier? VR and AR is going to be a huge thing for sports because if people can sit at home and feel like they're courtside, then it's a game changer. What tech do you want to see invented in the next 10 years? Be creative as well. I think there's been a lot of cool stuff going around right now with technology that makes water easily accessible and clean water easily accessible. So I love to see one the world get to a place where technology allows for clean water literally everywhere and anywhere. Got it. If you could sit down with anyone and have dinner with them, who would it be? I want to say Barack Obama because two reasons. One, he was obviously the president of the United States. But the big reason I want to speak to him about the journey of going from like humble beginnings to becoming the president and how that changed him as a person. You heard it here first. That was an incredible performance from both of you guys. I want to thank both of you for coming on the podcast. 
You guys have been listening to the Tech House podcast where we bring cutting edge startups and Fortune 500s to the table to talk about their contrasting views on how tech is changing our world. Stay tuned for our next episode. This is your host, Swish, signing off. And now let's hear from the sponsors that made this podcast happen. Origins Media House is a boutique content marketing agency that specializes in creating high quality podcasts and videos for your brand. They've done it for so many people across Toronto and across the GTA. It's been incredible to be able to work with three really hardworking women that know exactly where the world of podcasting is going and can situate your brand perfectly for it. TrueFan is a social intelligence platform empowering businesses of all sizes to make smarter marketing decisions. Use our platform, SocialRank, to identify your valuable followers and understand what resonates with your social audience all through one platform. If you're interested, check us out at TrueFan.io.